and they're like and in second place and they call the other guy i froze like my body actually just froze my face dropped uh, my heart dropped my stomach dropped but in my brain very quickly a few things happened me reading flex magazines looking at lee priest when i was 17 years old and 18 years old looking at lee priest and kevin lavroni and Sean Ray and watching their videos and me saying, I want to be a part of this league called IFBB one day. Me not having to take uh, enhancement drugs that popped up in my head immediately. Me not having to play politics, not having to have that coach that's going to get me the pro card, not having to be a part of that team that the judges know that's going to get me that pro card. All those things kind of all popped up in my head and it was a little overwhelming and tears started coming from my eyes because of all that, just of the childhood dream of the route that I took to get there and it kind of made me teary-eyed. And so I just kind of just kind of started looking up a little bit in the sky, trying to wipe the tears a little bit. And I was like, all right, let's let's accept this. Like, come on, let's you, you won, like snap out of it now. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Esoteric Anomalies podcast. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy in this COVID-19 pandemic. We're all hoping this blows over soon so we can just resume our normal lives because cabin fever is definitely real. <laughs> Not too long ago, I was able to sit down and chat with my friend Eric Salazar, who happens to be today's guest. Eric won his IMBA natural pro card years ago, but last year he was able to attain his IFBB pro card as a natural bodybuilder after many close attempts in the past. What's interesting about Eric's prep is that he used artificial weight via a weighted vest to trick his body into thinking he was still quote-unquote fat, allowing him to keep his calories the same the majority of his prep. We get into all the details in this episode, so stay tuned. Here's Eric Salazar. Welcome back to the Esoteric Anomalies podcast. Today, I'm here with my friend and natural bodybuilder, Eric Salazar. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Eric won his pro card, I think, was it summer of last year? Or yeah, it was um, April, May, June, July. I think it was a July show, late July. Mm-hmm. Late July. I won my IFBB pro card. Yeah, and he had a, a very interesting <clears throat> win because his whole prep, he used um, artificial weight. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but we're just going to start off with uh, an introduction of Eric and um, how he got started into bodybuilding. Okay, so I probably got, uh, I'm 35 now. I've been a personal trainer for 16 years. So I literally got certified right right out of uh, high school when I was 19 years old. And um, I've probably been purchasing Flex magazines and muscular development magazines since I was probably um, 17 years old. I think my first magazine had a picture of Kevin Lavrone on it. Um, and he was doing shrugs and he just looked massive and incredible and amazing. And I was coming, I, I grew up off of comic books, comic books. And my dad had a whole bunch of Arnold's like 80s books. So I would see the comic book people and then I would see the workouts of what Arnold and all his friends were doing. I legit thought, I mean, this is going to sound naive, uh, but I legit thought that after you go through puberty, that's just how you look. Like, I just thought like, oh, okay, like once I get like 16, 17, then I guess I become a man and I get like a superhuman body. Uh, of course, whenever I was like 16 or 16 or 17, it, it didn't start looking like that at all. Like I was still a real skinny, uh, Bruce Lee kind of uh, physique kind of, a, kind of a guy. So that's whenever I, uh, that was the, the, the tough reality for me. I was like, okay, I got to start really pumping that iron. So previously before that, I was a, I was a break dancer, pretty successful break dancer as a, as a, as a young kid. Um, and then I transitioned over to working out and fell in love with it. I just always told myself like, oh, okay, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be a bodybuilder. So it was already 
even when I would have girlfriends when I was younger, like my 18-year-old girlfriend, my 21-year-old girlfriend, it would be like, hello, my name is Eric. I'm going to be a bodybuilder one day. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say it quite in that kind of way, but that's kind of how they know me. Yeah, that's kind of like how they just would probably recall uh, me growing up and me being into my Flex magazines and MD magazines. Did it work, though? Yeah, this is true. <laughs> yeah, did it work, though? Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much how I got started. Then I got, uh, then, I, but you know, it, it's funny, especially coming from way back when, um, in the early two thousands, when we didn't have, uh, uh, we didn't have YouTube. Um, we only had MySpace, which I did not even have. So I had to download bodybuilding videos off of Napster and then eventually off of LimeWire and then burn them onto a, like a, a DVD. And so I would, I would watch, um, I would watch all their like long, like hour and a half videos back in the day. Even as a, as a youth, I would go to the library and, and check out books on how to beef up the chest and how to get horseshoe triceps. So when I was 18 years old, I hung out with a big group of like guys that were like maybe like two years older than me. And we would religiously always meet at the gym every day. And they would always huddle around me as me being the one to organize programs. And it was funny because I was the smallest and they were all just naturally bigger than me. Um, and a couple years older than me, but they would always hover around me because they knew that I would be the one that can that knew programs of what I knew back, at least something I knew something about programming, and so I would say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna be on a new eight week program where we're gonna get our bench press up and and all these kind of things, and uh, we're gonna do one rep more, and so it was, it was just funny. So that's whenever I started getting into personal training, and that just leads me to here. Now I'm the owner of a ten thousand square foot, very successful gym here in Houston, Texas, Flex Level Fitness. Um, sponsored uh, athlete of Muscle Monster Energy Drinks, also DeNova Supplements. So things are just really cool and um, things are really happening really well for me right now. You mentioned um, looking into magazines when you were younger, yeah. but a lot of people know you now as having like this evidence-based background. Uh, yeah. what, what got you into like the science realm of things from, I guess, like the quote-unquote bros? The bros, yeah. I want to say that whenever I would get these magazines, that I just love the artistic physique. Like I always just grew up just loving it. But I also read a lot into those magazines. And so I just needed to know, I just needed, because I just, I was just so small. And I never, I never had a um, little man complex or anything like that, or I was like, I would have just probably just started roiding up immediately. Uh, so I never needed to be big tomorrow. I grew up playing chess. So I'm someone of patience and like to actually play, you know, back in the day, one time I told uh, Eric Helms this, um, he's the only person that I've ever heard in my entire life that had this exact analogy that I've been using for years. Back in the 90s, we used to have a thing called Game Genie. Mm -hmm. And so when you had a Nintendo or Super Nintendo, you hook up the game to the Game Genie and you immediately had all the powers. You can immediately be invincible. Um, you could just go right through the game like nothing. And right. it was really fun and cool, but I never owned it and I never wanted it. And they was like, why don't, it's so cool, Eric, you can have infinity lives and you never die and you just get through the game really quick. And I go, well, yeah, but that, that's where's the challenge. So I always had that kind of mentality. But because I had that mentality, I really needed to know the secrets, quote, you know, quote, unquote, the secrets, the science on how to actually make me bigger. What can I do to actually get bigger? What do I need to eat to get me bigger? What muscle, what secret chess thing am I not knowing about? 
So that's whenever I would really be searching for it in the magazines. And then um, bodybuilding.com, since that's what that's the only thing that we would see when we were younger is bodybuilding.com. In breakdancing world, it was, it was breaking.com. So, I mean, these are early internet days. That's whenever I saw Lane Norton. That's the first time I ever met, uh, I ever seen Lane Norton and he did Life of a Natural Pro. And I'm like, holy crap, this guy, he's doing a video and he's talking all science -y. He's like, I'm a doctor, I'm a PhD. And uh, a lot of people don't know, but you're not supposed to do this. And you're supposed to do this and the body doesn't work this way. So that's when I really got hooked. And that was my first time ever getting an online coach. Um, that's whenever I had uh, Lane Norton do my diet. And that was maybe 11 years ago now. And you on your IMBA yes. pro card? Yeah, I, I got my IMBA uh, pro card. Under Lane? Let me see. Let me think. No, I think it was right before. I think it was right before Lane. Yes, it was. It was right before Lane because I was just um, I was with a uh, bro coach, and at this, but but you know the when I say bro coach, I mean it's still you know when I look back at it now, I mean it was still just simple foods. She was still very uh, educated on on what she was doing. Uh, it may have been clean food, it may have been per meals, and I didn't know anything about calories or macros. It may I, I was more of the uh, it's it's six ounces of chicken and three quarter cups of brown rice, and then when you reduce it, she'll take three quarter cup of rice down to half a cup of rice. I mean, technically I didn't know what the calories were. I didn't know what the macros were, but I mean, obviously it still worked. I mean, you're reducing food, you know, whatever. And you're increasing, uh, you're increasing your activity as you went along. So I did that, but I just wanted somebody who's, who is going to also help me teach me to be a better, a better bodybuilder and also understand nutrition. I mean, I was a personal trainer already at this point for at least four years. And I didn't realize until I worked with Lane, uh, and Dr. Joe Klimzeski, that I didn't know anything about nutrition. And I'm like, wow, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a personal trainer. I'm a certified personal trainer, and I don't know anything about calories. I don't know anything about macronutrients. I don't know anything about micronutrients. It was a very uh, uh, humbling awakening of the disservice I felt like I was giving my clients. And so that's whenever I went into like hardcore, like I got to, and then I went on to PubMed and then I just became like, just dug deep into it for like four years. I became a little bit of a hermit crab. I would train clients. But then I didn't really have like, um, I didn't really go out at night. And I was like single for like three, four years. One of those guys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I just dug into it and I still, and I had a Facebook um, at the time. I No, I just got into Facebook. And so, yeah, I was just, that's all I was. I, I worked with Lane. Um, then I worked with his mentor, Dr. Joe Klinzeski and, and Joe's and Joe's associate, Sean McCauley. And I was probably with, John, uh, with Sean McCauley for about, uh, maybe about, six or seven years until he retired um, and went into um, ammo guns and teaching people about shooting and shooting ranges and all that kind of stuff because um, he said that's where the real money was. But yeah, that, that's how I got into it. And then one time, uh, one time, you know, I, I would take these little mini vacations to Venice Beach, California, because I mean, that's the Mecca and I loved it. I would love going there all the time. I'd always get like a little spot right, right on the beach go and work out, go to the beach, go to the restaurant, go to the bar. Everything's walking distance. But one day I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the uh, elliptical over there and I'm listening to like a, a Les Brown uh, motivational th um, thing. And he's just saying like, what have you done, you know, for, for your education? Like what classes have you taken? Uh, what seminars have you recently gone, um, gone to for your craft? And then I've heard that one before. I've heard it before, but I just, I just remember thinking right at that moment, like he's right. I know I read a lot. And I read a lot of their articles, but when's the last time I actually like went out to go to a seminar? I haven't yet. What kind of uh, extra certifications have I taken this far? Uh, I haven't yet. 
And that's whenever I went to Lane, uh, Lane's uh, one over there. And um, I probably went to Lane's bodybuilding uh, seminar at the Arnold Classic, maybe about now, uh, maybe about seven years ago. And then after I went to that one, then I went to ISSN. Man, ISSN, that one blew me away. And then I just became a seminar junkie just because, I mean, the knowledge that I was soaking up was just amazing. I mean, that's just what people like me and you, that's just what we're into. Just the small nuances, the, in a lot of cases, just not even significant, but I mean, that's what we're into. Now, of course, we don't, we don't try to ram it down our, uh, our clients' throats uh, because they don't need to know all that, but it's, there's nothing wrong with knowing the small details. Not even, not even if you're applying it, you know, every single one. But it's just, it's just good to to know those kind of things. I think. You know, I heard uh, an interview with Alberto Nunez before, and he said natural bodybuilders really have to leave like no stones unturned, and it's very interesting. Yeah. Because we have to get like every little piece mm-hmm. of that puzzle to yeah. actually create like the best physique. We're you know we're not enhanced, and it's a lot more. There's a lot more things you have to consider mm-hmm. as a natural athlete. But what made you compete in the NPC, where you knew like you were at a disadvantage being in an untested federation? Okay. Yeah. You know, and and it was fu- so funny too because whenever I started doing it and i have to understand but i I, and i do i understand both sides but i'm I'm also not very much an extremist um and i'm not saying that they're extremists but okay so i love natural bodybuilding and even at of those years that i was doing it there was just not a lot of competition okay and i felt like i was good i was good enough so it was actually i was going to go ahead and do the texas shredder and this was years ago that was going to be my first npc's version of a natural bodybuilding show uh, I was ready for that show, and I was like, "Let me just see how I do." And I'm someone who, you know, I'm not a, I'm not someone who's a diehard like I need to win. But if I lose, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Um, I like to win, but I mean, it, it is definitely not the case for me. I always just like to be better than how I look. That's like my number one thing that I love. So I was like, oh, "I'm just gonna go in there." You know, if I get like, if I get third place, fourth place, fifth place, like at least it tells me like where I'm at, where I where I'm at, and the more competitive. So I did. Um, I was about to do that show. I went in for the weigh in, and on my way home from the weigh in, I got hit by a car and I broke my neck. So that's whenever I was out for about three years, um, trying to just recover, trying to get the feeling back in my right arm, uh, trying to get myself back up to where I was. So my comeback show. That was actually a regular NPC show because at that time, I believe um, Texas Shredder, he actually took his brand and went somewhere else for a little while. So I was like, let me go ahead and do it. Well, while I was injured, men's physique popped up and women's bikini. And I believe that was the first year. And I remember how scared I was and very intimidated because it was my first NPC show. I am not used to this. I am used to like... It looks like a small family reunion when you go to natural bodybuilding shows. I mean, it's so small and tiny. It's so personal. Uh, you're just like, hey, how you doing? How you doing, Netty? So are you? You know, I mean, you don't talk like that. But I mean, that's kind of like the attitude that you have. When I went to the NPC show, it was so massive. And I just remember looking around and being like, oh, my God, there's so many guys that look just like me. Like, this is going to be a tough bodybuilding show. Not realizing that, oh, and, and it's so funny because Bob Chicarilla was there and he goes, all right, and we're going to now need men's physique. And this is the first year of men's physique. He goes, we're going to need men's physique to uh, come line up. And everyone who looked just like me all stood up and they all went over there. And I was like, what's going on right now? So that was really weird for me because there was no such thing as men's physique before that. Uh, I just saw a whole bunch of guys that looked like me. And I was like, oh, shoot. And so I'm actually a bodybuilder, Bantamweight. So then the Bantamweights went over there. So I just wanted to see it. I just felt like, hey, you know what? I can beat these guys who are enhanced. 
I know I can. I know I'm good enough to. So it became like an extra challenge for me. I don't care if they're on gear. Like I wanted to still be able to say like, oh yeah, I can beat them, um, which I did. I, I won that show, and that's whenever I became nationally qualified. And I just stayed nationally qualified. Um, my first my first time going to the USA's out of oh man, it was such a tough group. It was like maybe 28 bantamweights. Out of 28 bantamweights, I got fifth place. Not only did I get fifth place. But it was it felt so good because Flex Wheeler had comment and he was doing the commentary that that year and he was like, um, he goes, number blah blah blah, Eric Lee Salazar, he looks really good. He looks so dice. He needs a little bit more size, but he looks great. And I was like, Wow, I'm done. Like I just remember being like, and that's what I came here for, and I'm done. Thank you. You know, <laughs> like Flex Wheeler just talked about me. Like it was just such a weird, crazy thing because that's what I grew up with. And now he just actually talked about me. Um, and I got fifth place, so I was able to come back to the next year. Next year, I got fourth place, and the next year is probably the next was when I got seventh place. But that was whenever I got into that. That one, I was I was ready to get like even further, like a third place. But I got swamped with edema, and I actually walked on stage with cankles. I actually walked on stage with a bubble on my foot of water. And at the time, I did not know what that was. It's not until afterwards I, t- I spoke to Alberto Nunez. And I spoke to Lyle McDonald, and they're the ones who told me. And that's whenever I really understood and knew that. And it was so crazy because I was gaining weight, obviously water, because obviously my body was too stressed. So it wasn't starvation mode? No, it wasn't starvation (laughs) mode. (laughs) Totally Um, But it was funny, though, because I did not know about this. And I literally saw all my glute ripped, uh, my, my, my ripped glutes go away day by day and my weight started increasing. So what did I do? I actually did the opposite of what afterwards I'm told you're supposed to do. I dropped my calories even more so. I increased cardio. I was eating for like three days, I promise you. This was like the week of the show. Um, that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I was only eating like 850 calories and I was still gaining weight. And my butt and my ankles and my back of my knees were still getting more and more fat. Obviously, it was water. But I didn't know that at that point that your body is really set like an, an, an alarm. And I think this is what sometimes people get misconstrued with starvation mode. They're like, I'm gaining weight because my body's starved. You are technically, you are gaining weight, but it's just water. You're not. You're still actually in the process of losing body fat. It's just when your face sometimes swells up. I mean, that's because your body's very alarmed and you're saying the cortisol's uh, being released. And what's actually best is that you actually need to, it feels counterproductive, but you actually just need to stop. Like if you just take two days and just rest, sleep, not do, and get your calories up, which you're like, I'm already gaining fat. Why would you tell me to eat more calories? No, that's, that's counterproductive. They're like, no, actually it's not. If you just get your calories up to... 2,500, like at my body weight, 2,500 calories and just relax for two days, you'll get that swoosh effect a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? But that's what I needed, and I did the opposite because I didn't know any better. Yeah. And Alberto said that he had so many clients that would suffer through the same thing. It would be like that week because you're so low in body fat, and then you're like, let me just keep kicking your ass, body, even though we're so low in body fat. Let's give you less calories, and let's have you do hit cardio. Um, let's have you, you know, just all that kind of stuff is just going to set alarms off. Yeah. This whoosh effect he's talking about is just uh, raising your calories a little bit so your body gets a little bit less stressed and it drops that water. And then your weight drops and you end up looking a lot better and fuller. But let's get into, since we, we talked about, you know, the start of this MPC journey, you got led to James Krieger, mm-hmm. who you followed for, for many years previously. Mm-hmm. But you want to do a very interesting <laughs> experiment using artificial weight. So I'll let you explain that process. Okay. So the artificial weight, which, I mean... 
I know that even you, David, could could definitely see that. I'm not saying that I came up with the idea um, ultimately, but since I've done it, it's became pretty a bit of a phenomenon with with everywhere everyone now i mean everyone has the weighted best now but eventually what i what i had wanted to do was i always have this idea when i'm completely in the my off season when i say i'm in my off season i'm at least let's just say i'm 35 pounds over contest weight which i, I normally not actually that much but back in the day i, I actually w- would be like that when i used to quote unquote dirty bulk back in the bro days but I always imagined when I'm at my peak off season and I'm walking around with 30 pounds plus on my body and I'm full of carbs, I'm full of food. Like I said, I'm at my peak off season. I always would wonder right then and there, if you stripped off all the body fat off of my body right there as I'm at my peak strongest um, of my off season, how would my physique look? Because within those 24 to 30 week preps, you know, you can imagine that you're going to have be at a small loss of actual muscle tissue and you're going to be at a loss of just actual visual size. And you're also going to be my quadriceps. You know, the funny thing about my quadriceps is I wasn't just born with big quads. My quads, I always say that my legs are always right at baseline. So in other words, they're not overpowering and they're not underdeveloped, they're just right there at where they need to barely be. They're like the bare minimum of, oh, hey man, you got some good quads, which is not necessarily a good thing, especially as you're dieting down. So I I started thinking about it, I was like, my body is also at a loss of 30 pounds walking whenever I'm getting ready for my show. So even with the best possible workout, the best hypertrophy programming, periodization that you can maybe come up with, you're still gonna have some muscle atrophy because throughout a 24-hour period, your body is still at a lack of 30 pounds. And in some cases, some guys are about 40 or 50 pounds that they're walking around with, okay? So I just told myself, you know what? I wanna keep that weight. So if I'm starting at 170 and I have to go down to 140, I wanna hold on. I want my quadriceps to understand and know that it is still walking around with 165 or 170 pounds. So that's how it started. And I remember I, I, I sold this idea to uh, to James and uh, I thought he was gonna like kind of laugh at me, but I was like, no, just hear me out. And after I said the whole thing, he was like, actually, that makes a lot of sense. It's never been done before, but yeah, that makes, a lot of sense. Okay, let's just see how this works. And uh, I, I told him the two, the two benefits was um, that uh, I could possibly keep my calories up a little bit higher as my body would believe that I'm still walking around as 165 or 170 pound uh, male. But the real, real deep down reason is that I wanted to hold on to my off-season quads. I did not want them to even slightly reduce in size or actually even lose muscle and, and, and have atrophy. So that's what I did. Things started working really well and it started working so well that I decided to even change up the experiment and actually gain weight, gain artificial weight as I was losing actual weight. Mm-hmm. So how did you compensate for these decrements? Would you lose a pound and then add a pound? Or yes. Would, okay. Yes. Oh, actually, no. I would lose five pounds, add five pounds. I see. Lose five pounds, add five pounds. And those usually took about, about four weeks. Yeah, so around every four weeks, I would add like a whole another five pounds, um, but then I just started adding more weight. So then, uh, so then I started uh, weighing one seventy five on a scale, and I would wear this religiously. The only time I would ever have it off is when I'm cooking, when I'm taking a shower, when I go to sleep. Besides that, 
would wear them for about um, 85% of the day, about 95% of my steps. Okay. So I really needed to trick my quads um, and my skeletal muscle to really believe that I still weigh that much. And so we never had to switch up my, uh, we never had to switch up my calories for about uh, maybe like 16 weeks or maybe 20 weeks. We never had to switch up my, my calories. I just kept on losing weight, but I would add weight. So then I would eventually get up to 180 and then 185. Uh, and then I think I topped out at about 190. Uh, so my body, my quads actually went from weighing 165 to weighing 190. Okay. So you can expect, so people always ask, is there, or is there a way to gain muscle while in a deficit? And the answer is most of the time, no, but there are some special circumstances, special circumstances being like you, David, are, are in a wheelchair and you gain a lot of fat. And then now that you're out of the wheelchair, you're like, I got to get back into shape. So I'm going to put myself in a deficit. You put yourself in a deficit, but your quads are now starting to grow. Well, you're losing weight and you're gaining muscle. Okay, so those are one of those special circumstances. I would say that this is one of those per, uh, special circumstances where, and this is going to be so slight, but not only am I not going to have quadricep atrophy, not only am I going to remain at baseline, but I believe, I honestly believe that I had, even if it's not too significant, but a smidge of actual muscle hypertrophy while getting all the way down to like 0% body fat, not actual 0%, guys. <laughs> so Afterwards, you, people would be like, he said zero. <laughs> so you kept your calories at, what was it, 2,300? 2,300 calories. For like 16 weeks? I think 16 or 20 for the majority of, of the entire, even actually for the, okay, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, for the first two bodybuilding shows that I did, it stayed at 2,300, yeah, that I won. We only dropped it down for the main goal. I did four shows. Three of them were just for kicks and giggles. Well, one of them was just to get qualified. But the last one, we knew that we were going to have to drop the calories down. And so we dropped the calories from 23 down to about 2,000. What are some other like positive experiences oh, uh, oh, that man. happened okay, uh, besides so, the, the quad? Okay, so, so you got to understand, like people like me and Chris Elkins, we're around the same height, which we're not, Chris. You're actually like a, an inch shorter than me. <laughs> we're we're around we're around the same height and the same weight and the same body fat. We both do bantamweight bodybuilding, and we're also both roughly around the same calories. We are we are small humans. We weigh very little. And now I'm five seven. I don't want people to think I'm just like a tiny person. When we get down to weighing about 146 pounds, we have to go down low in calories because we already have hardly any body fat on our body. So me and him both at the very tail end of our caloric intake, me and him are both usually um, anywhere from like 1250 to maybe 1450 calories. So that's where we, me and him usually have to go like the last few weeks leading into a show, which is going to make you feel horrible. Okay. But on this particular one, um, no, I'm eating still a lot. Not only am I eating a lot, but I also believe that my testosterone level did not sink as low as it normally would at those exact same weeks had I been out from a show previously in the previous years that I have I've done. So I never really had a foggy brain. I didn't have all the symptoms that I always normally have during a show. These were more laughable. I mean, because at that low body fat percentage, I'm still I'm still relatively eating a lot, and I'm not used to doing that out of all the other shows that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's that that was such a major difference of me just not feeling like crap, me feeling super energetic, uh, me still me me still being able to drink beer all the time and just have fun doing it. I remember James mentioning a rodent study where they implanted weights inside rats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had some like similar experiences where they didn't 
eat as much, yeah. if I recall correctly. I haven't yes. looked over the study, but it's just what I heard. So it's funny that the same thing happened to you. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you know, I think the first person who actually was was talking about it was um, uh, maybe Brad Dieter. Um, he, he sent me the study and um, James was f familiar with the study. And yeah, this the same thing pretty much happened with me. Let's go to show day, Vegas, okay. right? This is where you uh, took the trophy. Yeah. First place. Yeah. Um, lifelong dream. Man, you know what? Um, I always thought this is a little bit of the of the silly haterade in me a little bit, but I always thought it was silly. Uh, in, in nature, as much as I love bodybuilding, I'm also not particularly the biggest bodybuilder talker fan. I don't have a lot of bodybuilder friends on my Facebook, but whenever I would see somebody win, I would see them cry and you know, get on their, get on the floor and everything. I thought that was just a little over dramatic. Um, I was like, you know, it's not that big a deal, even to me to win. I mean, that's just been a, a lifelong goal to me, but it hasn't been my only goal in life. If I never got the pro card, I, again, I just love the process. I love looking better than I did before. I, you know, I just, I just like it. I like competing and I like dieting for a show, but when it happened, I, this was one of those times where I actually did not expect that I was, I didn't go in there. Everyone, everyone's weird. They're like, no, you need to go in there with the mentality that you're going to win. I did. My brain just doesn't work that way. It's really just not a big deal to me. I know I am going to win at some point because just because I just improve a little bit more every year. So I just always in my head expected that I was going to win when I'm like probably 38 or 39, 40, 41. Not a big deal. It's going to happen. Just, you know. Um, just not this year. But whenever I went, even the way that they moved us on the callouts, I was like, holy crap, I've already achieved my goal. Like, I think I'm going to get third place, maybe second. <laughs> I mean, that was like already it. I was already done after that. I was like, wow, you know, I, I haven't competed in about two years and here I am. And wow, wow, third place, second place. Wow, let's let's do this. And in my head, it was like, I'm probably going to get third the way they moved us around. I'm probably going to get third place but I deserve second. I know I should, I know, I, I know I could beat this guy who's, um, who's third place. So that's, that was my mentality. And, uh, and I'm really silly too. I actually have a few people, uh, talk to me backstage, like, Hey, we've been following your, your, your weighted vest journey and, and all this kind of stuff. I was like, Oh cool. You know, I really appreciate that. Weighted um, vest journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. It's Fucking hilarious. Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so whenever, whenever it came down to it and I have a video I could show you, you'd probably laugh at it. I did not expect to win first because i'm just i'm just a silly guy you know and um i just whenever they had us out there i still knew even though i expected third place possibly second but i just knew that i can also be fifth place because sometimes they're just really weird with how they do things so i'm out there with the with the last five people and they're like okay fifth place is blah 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 and i'm like all right all right all right and i'm top four all right and they're like and in fourth place and i'm ready for them to call my number and they don't call my number they call it the third i'm like all right all right, I did it, ma. You know, three, third place. All right, let's do this. In my head, I'm like, I should be second, though. Just FYI, guy, you know? And so uh, then they called that guy for being third. I'm like, yes, thank you. Second place. Couldn't ask for anything better. Like, this is amazing. Let's, I'm just ready to go eat at the, at the restaurant now. I'm almost like looking at the audience like, okay, now go ahead and go now. Like, so you have to reserve the table. And they're like, and then second place. And they call the other guy. And, and I, I, I froze, like my body actually just froze. My face dropped, uh, my heart dropped, my stomach dropped. Immediately, I almost teared up because I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I'm just telling people experience like of what happened. But in my brain, very quickly, a few things happened. 
in my head me reading Flex magazines, looking at Lee Priest when I was 17 years old and 18 years old, looking at Lee Priest and Kevin Lavroni and Sean Ray and watching their videos and me saying, I want to be a part of this league called IFBB one day. Uh, that popped up in my head. Me not having to take uh, enhancement drugs, that popped up in my head immediately. Me not having to play politics, not having to have that coach that's going to get me the pro card, not having to be a part of that team that the judges know that's going to get me that pro card. All those things kind of all popped up in my head and it was a little overwhelming and tears started coming from my eyes because of all that, just of the childhood dream of the route that I took to get there. And it, it, I, I don't know why all those things popped up in my head very instantly and it kind of made me teary-eyed and I was like, calm down, Eric. Like, don't be that guy, <laughs> you know? And so I just kind of just kind of started looking up a little bit in the sky, trying to like wipe the tears a little bit and I was like, all right, let's let's accept this. Like, come on, let's you you won. Like, snap out of it now. So yeah, that that's how that's how it was, and that's how it felt. And and um, now when I went to the side, um, I did start um, uh, slightly having some tears a little bit because it was just just because of that kind of journey. Rumor has it you were bawling though. Okay, like, uh, screaming. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I definitely had some tears and some shaky voice, um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I didn't expect that. So now, so obviously now afterwards, uh, if any, if I see anybody break down or do anything like that on there, I'm like, hey, I don't know this person's journey. I don't know this person's journey. They, you do you, boo. You know, you want to cry, if you want to do whatever. I don't know exactly what you've been through. Uh, but those just in my head is what popped up in my head. And I didn't get second place. I didn't become a natural pro through men's physique or through classic physique. And I'm not trying to take anything away from these people um, or getting second place to pro card. But it was just that much more harder, you know, for me to get actual first place in bodybuilding. And I happened to do the one show of the entire year of national shows that only required first place. You see, if you go to if you go to um, to nationals in Florida, it's men's bodybuilders get first and second place can get a pro card. But that's USA's men's bodybuilding is the only category out of all of them where if you get second place, like that's great. But you're not a, you're not a pro. If you were honest with yourself on that day, where would you say you actually beat the other competitors? Was it uh, physique? posing, leanness. Oh, wow. Definitely leanness. I was leaner than everybody. And the flow of the the art of my of my physique and the way I was able to present it, where maybe a little bit in the past, I would have felt a little smaller with still a great, great leanness. This time I had fullness to my physique. I had more muscle than I've ever had on my physique throughout all the past uh, years at the uh, nationals. And I didn't go in with I didn't go in with any complications. I didn't go in with the, the edema. I didn't go in uh, very stringy. I went in full. I was still eating quite a bit. And I was leaner than I've ever been. And my posing, I, I did it really well. And so, yeah, I would just say I finally had that like mature muscle to outflow them. Now, I still believe that the guy who got second and the guy who got third had more muscle than me. But I still had quite a bit of muscle, more than I've ever had with the very lean physique to show off that muscle. This is a topic I wanted to touch on when we mentioned the the weighted vest, and that's cardio, because you're a big proponent of tracking steps. 
mean, you and I both know steps are very consistent. Yes. You keep it at 10K a day, you're yes. doing 10K a day. Yes. If you're doing, I don't know, 200 calories of cardio on the treadmill one day, uh, you could... It still equates to steps. Yeah. But another thing is that uh, people who track calories uh, while doing like the treadmill or something, they don't take into account all the energy burned outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. So that's where steps come in. So let's talk about non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is known as NEAT and... Mm-hmm cardio and why you're a big proponent of steps so i've always been uh, so i've always been a big component of steps um before i met james and before it was a popular thing that's why whenever i met james and he had a whole presentation on steps he i was really like oh my god that's what i've been doing already so that's why i really it really resonated and clicked but whenever he had said like it doesn't really matter even with um oh it just slipped my mind right now the afterburn epoch epoch even with epoch um epoch is is just not as much as people originally thought it was homeostasis would kick in and, and bridge that gap a lot more and besides while, while you're at low body fat you don't want to be hurting yourself with hit cardio but anyways so i had already been tracking my steps because i always had physical jobs and i would always use that to gauge also like okay and make sure that i'm at ten thousand because as you start getting very low in body fat you're going to start becoming more uh, lethargic and people don't quite understand that when your traditional coach would say, okay, we didn't lose weight this week off of 45 minutes of cardio five days a week. Let's bump it up to 50 minutes. Well, because you bumped it up to 50 minutes, that's your body is going to try to compensate throughout the rest of the day that energy because your body does not want to do that. It's getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so your body actually slows down more so throughout the day because you added that five minutes. So then after a week, you still don't lose weight. Coach says, okay, let's uh, bump the cardio up another five minutes or let's bump it up to 10 minutes to, to an hour. Well, now you're really, really sluggish throughout the day. So you don't really understand this, but with your at that 45 minutes, your steps may have been about 11,000 or 12,000 steps, but because you bumped up the cardio 10 minutes and now you're super, uh, your, your non-exercise thermogenic effect is way lower throughout the rest of the day. Now you're only really doing about like 9,000 steps. Not only 9,000 steps, but all the other things that are associated with, with NEAT, like just movement, mm-hmm. just body movement has slowly come down. You stop, you, you slowly stop going with your friends during lunch break to go get something to eat. You're like, nah, guys, I'm just going to stay here. I'm just kind of, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just stay here. So you sit down a lot more. Yeah, this is a very hard idea for traditional competitors to It is to, uh, <laughs> to understand because it's not hardcore. Tracking steps is not hardcore. It is not. Uh, doing two hours of cardio yeah. inside the gym is hardcore. Yeah, yeah. Um, you only burn calories in the gym. Yep. Like there's no way you could burn calories the other 22 aye, hours of the day. So. I've actually adopted this as well in the past couple of years where my competitors and pretty much all my clients are, are tracking steps. They can take mm-hmm. a walk in the park, yes. uh, get some fresh air, just kind of get out of the gym environment because you're already in there lifting weights. You know, Why do you want to do cardio afterwards when mm-hmm. you can like just walk yeah. wherever? You can play with your dog. Yep. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And I've actually had two of my uh, two, uh, two female clients of mine look their absolute best. And one of them actually just won her pro card. So I have Miranda. She won her pro card and she finally got on two steps 
and she now understands what steps are like and she and she I had her on the weighted vest a previous client I had before her name was uh, Yasinia she looked so amazing as a woman's physique too I believe she got fourth place but she should have easily just like got like like second place but she was the leanest she's ever been and she would just be it was just so funny because they would just be walking and uh, people would sometimes be like hey aren't you gonna start doing hit aren't you gonna start doing this you need to do this and they're like nah i'm good thank you though this goes back to the cortisol thing because yes. it is a very yeah. low impact cardio so mm -hmm. it's a lot less stress for your body yes. just by tracking steps mm -hmm. take a walk and even if you did want to if you wanted to do like a more like higher intensity and you're running those will still count into your steps yes so you know one of the things that james had mentioned um uh, when i went to london and uh, he was doing a conference with Brett Contreras, James, and Brad Schoenfield. I think it was them three. I want to say there was four, but maybe it was just a tree. Oh, Alan, Alan Aragon. So yeah, it was it was those four. They were all doing a conference, and everyone really, to be honest, everyone got really blown away by James's presentation, where he also had talked about how it doesn't matter if you. I always tell people this too that there's like four ways of leg movements, traveling movements. It's going to be uh, walking, jogging running or sprinting and i always tell people you know i do not i do not recommend sprinting i do not recommend high intensity sprinting because none of us are 17 years old anymore and none of us even have a background in collegiate style sprinting you know i look at all these bodybuilders i was not a sprinter or a runner in high school i mean it's so silly if you actually think about it because it's almost like me going to rice university over here in houston going to the coach and showing him how i quote unquote sprint he's gonna be like oh my god no, no wonder you're all getting hurt and injured okay it's almost like me asking you uh like uh, or me asking anybody hey do you know how to fight they're like yeah i know how to fight this fist his face makes sense but if i say okay go ahead and do that and then a boxing coach is watching boxing coach is going to cringe so when i said people like they're like yeah i know how to run i know how to run no no i get what you're saying but you don't really know how to run okay you're not an actual expert at running so people get injured so i don't even know why we have people do things like hit when I don't have any kind of coaching expertise in running or sprinting. Now, most people aren't doing true hit anyway. Like true hit is like you're running from a cheetah. Yeah. Right. I think people try really hard though. And that's where everything's, that, that's where things go wrong. So I try to tell people I am a big component in jogging. Jogging can immediately just for time sake, cut walking in half and is very low impact. I don't want to be a complete 100% against running or sprinting. I just ask people to learn how to ease into it, not, hey, I'm going to start losing a whole bunch of weight. I need to start doing some sprints and running and all that kind of stuff because your body's just not conditioned for it. Heck no. Heck no. <laughs> We're just lifting weights mm -hmm. pretty much and then whatever yep. we call hit cardio but is then again, jogging. But then again, I wouldn't expect a Rice University collegiate a sprinter or cross-country person to come walk into my gym right now, see 315 pounds on the squat bar and be like, All right, I'm going to go ahead and squat this. Because then I would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you, do you know how to squat? And they'd be like, of course I know how to squat. I squat down and use the restroom all the time. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's not how it works. Like no warm up or nothing. Things aren't going to work out very good for that person either. This interview has been awesome. I think we covered a lot. It's been like very informative as well. So I appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you? They can find me uh Eric Lee Salazar, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I believe it's all Eric Lee Salazar, just all one word. Um, yeah, find me on there. I'm a pretty uh, interesting character.
Any future goals? Uh, yes, I'm going to do my first pro debut in uh, Vancouver, Canada at the at IFBB. They just did their first ever in history drug-tested natural IFBB. They are only doing one a year, which that's fine. It's just the only one I'm going to do. Um, they did it last year and it went really well. They're going to do the next one this year also if the corona doesn't stop it. But I plan on doing it 2022 for sure, possibly 2021. So possibly next year I will do my pro debut as a natural IFBB pro. And also I'm always improving here at the gym. So maybe I might uh, get a piece of property and put a bigger gym on it. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review on iTunes. I can't tell you how much it helps new people discover the show. You can also follow me on Instagram at David underscore Iglesias to stay updated on new episodes. Thanks again, and I'll catch you in the next one.